Next on BYUSN National writer Barry Trammell weighs in on the Cougars 4-1 start to the season ahead of a big weekend in the Big 12. And we'll preview another big weekend for Puka Nakua and the Cougars in the NFL. Plus, what are BYU football's biggest strengths through the first five games of the season? And an emotional story of how a BYU cross-country All-American found joy through running and motherhood. Oh, it's always good when we got D-Lo in the house. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. I'm Dave McCann with Brian Logan, the starting cornerback when BYU took down Oklahoma in Texas in yeah. 2009. The Sooners were ranked number three. This weekend, Oklahoma's back in Texas to take on the Longhorns, who are ranked number three. And you're here. You see how there's absolutely no coincidence <laughs> to any of that? <laughs> no, not at all. You know, it always, it always puts a smile on my face when I think about that, and probably for the wrong reasons. Um, the first thing I, I always remember is, is landing and, and seeing the fans yeah. in, in the, at the airport. But then just the just not being able to, to like, turn in homework, <laughs> take tests and not go to class for a little bit is, was, a, was a good You was enjoyed a good, that. It was a good feeling, yeah. You know, the stairs on campus is like this. It's, it's really a long ways up. Yeah, yeah, and we, need, we needed to preserve them because I think we ended up getting to, like, number seventh in the nation. So they were like, oh, you don't have to, you know, take your time. All right. So it was nice. How about you kickstart us <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with um, a shout-out to The Rock. Yeah. And um, over 5,000 fans um, showed up at Southfield last night um, for BYU and, and Texas Tech. Um, man, I, I, I was listening to, to Greg. I didn't get to, to watch it, but I was listening. And I, I could hear at times the crowd in the background. And, oh, yeah. and you know, he kept saying 5,000 and, and standing room. And I'm like, man, we got we to gotta build a bigger stadium, right? <laughs> like, like we, I'm guaranteed we could fit 5,000 more. First time in program history, BYU's had three games with uh, over 5,000 fans in the same season. And it was quite the battle. Ended up in a 2-2 tie, which seemed about right, between two teams both tied for seventh yeah. in the coaches' poll. We're going to have more on that a bit later on. But an exciting night. Uh, anytime Southfield's got a full house and a meaningful game. And they got another one coming up on Monday. Try to yeah. break through and get a win in the Big 12. They haven't lost yeah. in the Big 12. Still seeking that first Big 12 victory. Let's uh, rise and shout now. It's time for What's Trending on this Friday. And Keenan Slovis has his first career rushing touchdown. Man wide open in the end zone. Top for the touchdown. He came down with it. Bilo, as you know, it's a bye week, which has given us a chance to evaluate just about everything under the sun right. when it comes to, to BYU football. <laughs> We've saved the best for the end of the week here on this Friday. The biggest strengths through five games. Not the greatest moments, biggest touchdowns, whatever. Let's yeah. get down to the brass tacks. The biggest strengths through the first five games. What's on your list? This is going to sound so biased because I say this every week joking. And I'm, I'm joking when I say it. Kind really? Of, I'm kind of, kind, of sort of, kind of sort of joking when I say this. Um... But it's got to be it's got to be the cornerbacks, right? And I'm not just saying that because I'm a cornerback. Um, you, you look at, at BYU last year versus this year, and man, day and night when it comes to uh, that group and, and what they've been able to do and shutting down receivers and 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 more importantly, I think in key moments, right? Uh, you look at Jacob Robinson who had a pick six last week um, against Sam Houston. I think single-handedly. Um, well, I would say single-handedly blocked some points, right? Because 
Sam Houston um, had the ball, I think, two-yard line. Yeah. The BYU defense was backed up from a, from a fake punt, which is a little weird. But um, the next couple of plays, uh, Sam Houston comes out and Jacob Robinson gets an interception, right? Um, and then what could you say about Eddie Hecker? I, I didn't think he would be as physical as he is. And, and think about how versatile he is because he plays corner and then he also plays um, nickel. And so we, we, we saw that nickel blitz in Arkansas and, and uh, that, that sack and that strip and that fumble. And, and then another guy, uh, Cam Garrett, who's, who's also been good. And you can see these guys' stats right here. And, and BYU defensively for their pass events, they're ranked 39th in the nation, um, and they're tied for 20th uh, when it comes to, to interceptions. But those three guys have been, have been solid. When was the last time that BYU had three corners that were not only solid, but actually making plays? You know, as you, as you, for, the, for the fans watching um, the show live, you see all the, the, the plays that these guys are making and the tackles and how physical they are. And most importantly, when it comes to the, the turnovers, right, which we all know that's the biggest point of the game, the biggest stat, right? We've seen this clearly, especially with BYU and, and, and that loss to Kansas, how big turnovers are and where have the majority of the turnovers have come from come from the, the, the DBs um, and, and, you know, specifically these, these, these group of guys. So having, having, you know, a huge impact and a stat that matters the most, um, I, I could say, you know, they, they are definitely – um, you know, head over heels when it comes to other, other position groups. I think a lot of people will say, hey, uh, they're thrown away from Eddie Heckard because he's that good. Yeah. And so then Jacob Robinson gets a lot of attention, but he's holding his own over there. He's got three interceptions, took one back for a touchdown, which was huge yeah. back on Friday night. And, uh, and, and Jacob says, yeah, hey, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the biggest out there. But, but his head coach comes in and says, he's playing big. Yeah. And, uh, and, and whichever corner you're throwing at, uh, cornerbacks are finding a problem. <laughs> And uh, I think that there's Eddie Heckard's interception uh, that he got at the end of the Sam Houston game. Um, and here we watch him work. There's Heckard forcing a fumble. Yeah. What do you think of Eddie? He's living up to his billing. I, I think he, he um, probably made the best decision of his life to, to, to not enter to the draft and, and come in and play Power 5 football and, and have some tape and film uh, for the NFL scouts that, that can confirm that you know, he, he didn't just do this at a lower, um, you know, level level of play of, of college football, but he could do it at a, a higher level and not only a higher level at, within a top conference as well, um, being the Big 12. And he has all the intangibles that an NFL scout or team needs and, and looks for. And he's I, I think he's just really making his case and building that resume. I, I'm, I'm excited to see where he lands. Next all right. Love the corners up there. I think the strength of the team is red zone scoring. Uh, in, a, in an offense that's struggled for the most part when you look at yards and compare them to, to other teams. But yeah. once they get inside the 20, they either score a touchdown, most of the time they do score a touchdown, or they kick a field goal. They've been inside the 20 17 times. They've scored 16 times. <laughs> uh, and that's 15th best in the country. Uh, is, that, is that the quarterback who, who knows how to get into the end zone? Is it, is it execution with receivers making big plays? Probably a little bit of all of it. And L.J. Martin has been a nice goal line runner yeah. uh, that, that he's proved to be. So red zone scoring, I think, uh, is at the top of the list. You know, there's, there's um, I think, probably the, the second stat that stands out to us as analysts, and especially when we're going through week in and week out, just, you know, getting ready for shows and, and looking at scouting reports. You see that a lot of offenses move the ball pretty easily from the 20 to 20, but when they get in that red zone, 
um, life is different. <laughs> Cincinnati is a team that really struggles yeah. once they get to the 20, yeah. and they did last week. Absolutely. And I think as from a fan's perspective, we, we're, we're a little bit frustrated at times with the offense. And, um, you know, but, but looking at these other teams like a Cincinnati that can move the ball but then can't score, I would, I would much rather have an offense that, can, that can't move the ball but they can score because at the end of the day, how do you win games? <laughs> You've got to score points, right? So I, I think these are some of the things that you can work on as Cougars, the season Cougars progresses. Stats put out, uh, BYU's 117th in total offense, yeah, that's not but good. 56th in scoring offense. See, that's what I mean. Points trump yards yeah. when you're four and one. Yeah. And, and, and you're scoring enough when you need to. And in days where you turn the ball over too many times, that's too much to overcome. And yeah. the only time that's happened was Kansas. Well, it's a very simple formula, right? Like, how do you, how do you win a game? <laughs> you got you to score points. And, and, and if it was easy, more teams would be doing it. Right, exactly. 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 <laughs> you're, you're right. And, um, you know, it, it's, 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 you would expect the team and offense to, to struggle in the red zone because you add three extra defenders. You have the right sideline, you have the left sideline, and then you have the back of the end zone. That's three extra defenders that you now have on your side as a defense when you're in the red zone. Yeah. And so that's why a lot of teams struggle, but this team doesn't at all. And, and so you can work on, you know, the, the 20 to 20, right? You can, you can continue to progress, but you know, how much can you work on, um, you know, red zone when things get tightened up? And that's when it really matters the most. Right. So uh, another another. Um, I would say strength of, of the, 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 deep, the team has been uh, special teams. And um, I guess, you know what, we could add field goal kickers. That's fine, whatever. But more, more so for, for the punt. How <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not But kidding. Ryan Rico's been fantastic. He's been, he's been amazing. Um, you know, we, as defensive players, we consider punters to, to be uh, on the defensive side, especially in practice. They wear the same colors as us and. You know, when you talk about flipping the field, yeah, that's one thing. But there's also um, turnovers that, that have been forced as well. And, and a lot of that is due to, you know, Marcus McKenzie and the way he's running down the field and, and, and being able to cover, um, you know, in a way where guys aren't even getting returns. So not only is the, the ball kicked far um, it's, and, it's, and the field is getting flipped, but, you know, returners don't even have an opportunity because McKinsey's right there. Well, they got to wait for it to come down. Well, well, and 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 think about this: um, the 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 uh, the margin of error for a, ret a returner when you have somebody like McKinsey that's going to be in your face is so slim. It's it's so slim because if a single muff, and we saw it, you know, last week with Cincinnati, a single muff or a mishandle of the ball, and boom, he's right there to 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 pick it up. And you see him right here on the screen. Um, <laughs> trying to do a scoop and score, but you know, if you make that muff like like we saw last week with Cincinnati, um, you don't really have a, a, a second chance to pick it up because of how fast he is, and, and that's even through the, this guy's getting triple teamed. Yeah, triple teamed, right? Like if you can't triple team somebody, like double teams, okay, right? But if you can't triple team somebody, you have, you have legit problems. <laughs> <laughs> I think the defensive front seven has been a strength of the football team here in September. The ability to get pressure on the quarterback, whether they rush three or four, or Jay Hill dials up one of his many, many blitzes. Yeah. That group in the front seven uh, has been special. Shut out Sam Houston. Um, Southern Utah couldn't do much either. And, uh, and then you go, and, and what we saw with, with Arkansas is that front seven, as the game got longer, the front seven got stronger, and they yeah. just pushed 
and dominated the offensive line and forced Arkansas into some turnovers. And even against Cincinnati, where their running back, their quarterback was a runner for a while, but eventually as the game mm -hmm. got older, the line started to get to him. You saw that sack from Tyler Batty. Uh, probably the biggest stat, and we've talked about it a couple times this week, quarterback hurries last year for the whole season was 19. And we talked all season about they can't get pressure with three. Mm -hmm. They can't get pressure with three or four. And they actually couldn't get pressure hardly at all. But this year, through five games, they're up to 16 quarterback hurries. And Bronson Kafusi told us yesterday on Sports Nation, a quarterback hurry is everything to getting a quarterback out of his comfort zone. Yeah. And once you do that, he's capable of throwing the ball to anybody. Yeah. And, and we've seen BYU's interceptions. Jacob Robinson's pick six for a touchdown. Max Tooley's interception at Arkansas. Passes over right to him where you're like, well, what, what was the quarterback thinking? <laughs> he's under duress. He's not thinking. Right. <laughs> and uh, credit that front seven. Yeah, yeah. And the linebackers included. Absolutely. I think, I think that's been the, the biggest you know, um, improvement and surprise for me. And there's a few guys sprinkled in there that um, didn't play last year for, for BYU. Um, but they, they are this year, and they still are playing under a new scheme, under a new coach. Banya and Cravens especially. Right. And, and I think that, that, that we got to give a lot of props to Coach Hill and having the majority of that same personnel last year and this year. And you saw the stats on the screen, you know, completely different, um, you know, defenses that we're seeing. So I, I agree with you there. Um, another guy that I um, have, have come to, to love – from being with you earlier this week and talking to you and, and interviewing him as, as Chase Roberts. And I was a fan off, uh, with him on the field, but then off the field, man, um, well, I, man, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to even to, to explain. Just everybody go watch that interview. Um, he's but, 6'4", he's fast, yep. he's got hands, and he has this in, innate ability to make plays. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you know, good teams, good BYU teams in the past, there's always been a guy that you can rely on from a receiving standpoint or even a tight end, right? 2009 with me, it was it was Dennis Pitta. Yeah. Um, I got to see the beginning of Cody Hoffman in, in his career when I was a senior and he was a freshman. You have Puka Nakua, right, um, re here recently, Austin Colley as well. And we're starting to see him emerge uh, as the guy, like the number one guy. So putting yourself in that category where, you know, you're reliable is one thing. When BYU needs to make a play is another thing. And then being able to put those two things together and saying, you know what, I'm confident enough. I, I, have, I have the swag. I have the ability. I have um, all the, the, the tools that I need to, to be successful and to make a play when my name or when my numbers is being called upon. Just a sophomore with a lot of football ahead of him. And he wants to be right where Puka is, catching passes in the NFL. And, and uh, if he can stay healthy, he's right on track. Yeah. He's got the size, the speed, and the hands. And, uh, of course, scouts go, well, have you made any plays? And you think, well, yeah, I can yeah. think of three of them. <laughs> the Baylor touchdown last year, the Arkansas touchdown with the one-handed catch, yeah. and even the 59-yarder against Cincinnati yeah. on Friday night. He is, he's on his way. If, if, if I was him and I got that question, I would just show them – the ESPN play, number one. <laughs> and I wouldn't even show the game film. I would show the you ESPN, the, the actual ESPN film to let them know that I made the number one play, <laughs> for sure. So topic two, um, let's take a look at some of the Big 12 games going on this week. Obviously, we all, not just us as, as you know, Big 12 fans, but the entire nation um, is looking at Oklahoma and, and Texas. What's... Um, intriguing with you about, about, about that matchup. I wrote a column in the Deseret News about this. It's the first bye weekend that's mattered in 13 years for BYU fans. 
uh, outside of the team having a break to get healthy. These are all conference games that mean something to BYU, including Texas and Oklahoma. We'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, you know, the, the, the game that, that I'm keeping an eye on, of course, is Texas Tech at Baylor. Texas Tech's breaking in a new quarterback. They're coming to Provo on October 21st. So suddenly that game means something. i got to watch that. Right. Keep an eye on the Red Raiders. Who are you watching? Yeah, so with, with me, it's um, TCU and, and Iowa State. Obviously, I, 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 TCU-BYU um, plays there yeah. next week. So, um, you know, from a, from a scouting report standpoint and to prepare for what I do here, um, that'll help me as well. But um, it's, I, I think uh, TCU and their loss last week against a West Virginia team, you know, kind of down to the wire. In Fort Worth. Yeah, at home. Um, there's, there's kind of two things, right? It's, it's, is TCU overrated or is West Virginia underrated? Um, Maybe a little of both. But yeah, it could be a little bit of both, right? I think, I think um, the game against Colorado and, and TCU, the, that first game, I think messed everything up. Kind of got us all like, what is this team? Who are they? What's their identity? You know, but um, I want to see how they, how they bounce back. They're, they're on the road. At Iowa State, Iowa State has um, their their Jack Trice Memorial game. So um, usually, you know, it's it's a it's a place where it's hard to win on the road in general because you know in, in areas like right. that when there's really nothing to I say this respectfully when there's not not much to do and you have like one there's one Walmart um, in, in a town that that type of college town tends to, they tend to get a little rowdy and crazy. But um, you know, you, you throw in the additives and you throw in the, the special jerseys that they wear during that that type of um, game and. Yeah, it's a hostile environment. I want to see how TCU responds. I'm gonna, we're going to ask Barry Trammell here in a minute about Oklahoma, Texas. That game's huge because BYU plays both of them. Uh, is Texas going to be number one when BYU right. plays them at the end of the month? Well, if they win tomorrow, they are on their way to making their case. Yeah. And if Oklahoma wins, they bring all kinds of scenarios to Provo oh, uh, in November. So Barry Trammell will weigh in on that one in a moment. Our question of the day is this. What is BYU's biggest strength through five games. Think about it, and then let us know how you feel. Klebs on X has resiliency, and we've heard that word a lot. Yeah. Being able to overcome an early turnover or deficit this season and just win, even when the numbers wouldn't indicate a win in a side-by-side -side comparison with the other team like Friday night, yeah. you just win and get to four and one. How about Porter Larson? Yeah, on Facebook um, says, opportunistic is their greatest strength. I like that. Turnovers and stops when they need them, quick strikes, when they get them and always in games because of how fast they can strike and how they are able to steal the momentum. Uh, momentum is never too big. Momentum is the most underrated stat that can't be measured. Yeah, if you could get that in a soda, <laughs> you'd make a fortune. Jason Lane Curtis on Facebook, quarterback without Slovis would be one and four instead of four and one. Oh, that may be true. Def defense is definitely very close second. Uh, specifically linebacker and secondary play, which we were talking about a moment ago. But certainly Keaton Slovis at 4-1 at, at is, um, is as advertised. And the only game where he's been asked to throw for 350 yards yeah. is a game they lost right. because they couldn't run, they turned the ball over. I, th I think I would like to change um, the strength now to, to Keaton Slovis. Um, you think really? About one, the, one tweet <laughs> and you change your whole thing? Yeah, like it, it, it knocked me back into reality, you know? Um, I just think with, with the comments of being resilient and opportunistic, that doesn't really come um, when you have somebody that isn't as mature, doesn't have the experience, right, like, like yeah. Keaton. So I, I think him being able to bring that, being even killed, 
and, and staying not too high, not too low um, when times get rough, man, I, where would we be without Keaton? Yeah. Right? That's, uh, well, Jason yeah. says it would be one in four. So <laughs> sure. Hey, continue to weigh in on the hashtag BYUSN on X, Facebook, and Instagram. Let's uh, rock social media on this topic today. What do you think is the biggest strength through five games for this BYU football team? In case you have missed any interviews, topics, Deep Blues, or any other BYU Sports Nation content, you can always find it on BYUSN.com. Coming up, national sports columnist and podcaster Barry Trammell is going to join us. What he thinks of BYU's 4-on-1 start and where the Cougars go from here. This is BYU Sports Nation. Gotta be ready for a battle every week. But he's got a man. The pass is caught. That is life in the Big 12 right there, B Low. Welcome back to Studio B, BYU Sports Nation. Dave McCann with Brian Logan. Nobody knows the Big 12 like columnist and podcaster Barry Trammell. Uh, he's now with Sellout Crowd, which is interesting because it's sellout, yet it's free, and he'll explain that. But mostly we want to talk about BYU, the Big 12, and the Cougars 4-1 start. Earlier today, I caught up with Barry. Barry, BYU's 4-1 with the uh, weekend off. What's your take on the Cougars so far? Well, I've been very pleased with BYU. Going to Fayetteville and winning was a huge win for, for the Cougars. Huge win for the Big 12. They haven't had many this year. So going, uh, going on the road, beating an SEC team, very, very solid. Now, you know, the Cougars lost at Kansas. Two defensive TDs uh, or non-offensive touchdowns will get you beat most Saturdays, and that did. But I think the Cougars are in pretty good shape for, for a good year at 4-1 and one and you know, the Big 12 is not treacherous this year, so I think I think the arrow's pointing up on, on Brigham Young. Has Keaton Slovis surprised you at quarterback, or has this been kind of what you expected? It's kind of what have I expected. I don't think he's an All-American candidate, uh, but I think he's a very good quarterback. I think uh, he's what Brigham Young needs. He can throw it around some. Uh, BYU's, you know, gotten away uh, in, in, in recent times from the from the uh, air it out situation. So I think he's bringing a new element. He, he certainly hurt Cincinnati through the air the other day. So uh, I think he's exactly what BYU needed. Now the Cougars are going to go through this Texas swing with TCU, Texas Tech, and Texas. How do you see uh, October playing out for BYU? Well, the, uh, every, every school except Texas is to, and, and, and West Virginia is to some degree unproven. Uh, we really don't know what, what Tech really is. We don't really know what TCU is. They've been up. They've been down. They're not as good as we thought to this point. Uh, to me, it's a great opportunity for, for BYU. Now, Texas will be very tough to beat. But those other two, you know, if, if you can beat those guys, then you're headed for a special season very high in the Big 12 standings. It's just a, it's a muddled conference. Uh, Oklahoma might be legit, but we don't know. We do know Texas is legit. Texas and Oklahoma playing tomorrow. You'll be there. What, what do you anticipate in that game? Is it a precursor to the eventual Big 12 championship game, or, or how do you see this one? Well, I think Texas is going to be there. Um, you know, like I said, they went to Alabama and won. They've proven themselves. 
Everybody else, particularly the Sooners, they haven't played. I mean, the, the, Brigham Young's played a much tougher schedule than has Oklahoma. Um, so I think I think BYU's got a uh, – I'm sorry, I think Oklahoma's got a lot to prove, and that starts tomorrow. Now, if they go to the Cotton Bowl and win tomorrow, which they very well could, then all of a sudden this season looks completely different, and they are, they are uh, not just a Big 12 contender but a national contender. Um, if they play tough, that's very and lose. That still is is a good thing for the Sooners' long term future. Um, but if they if they get manhandled by Texas, then all of a sudden they're back among the great unwashed, just trying to, to move up and down the Big Twelve ladder. You talk about this uh, conferences all over the place, with the exception of Texas. Uh, if if you had to do the Big Twelve preseason poll all over again uh, as a league, even do you think BYU would be at eleven still? Oh no! I thought they were a little underrated then. Thought they belonged in the in the eight nine range, seven eight nine, and I think uh, they probably uh, probably above that. I you know in our in our neck of the woods, Pat Jones, eleven year head coach at Oklahoma State, uh, he does radio now. He's very impressed with Brigham Young. I, I think he had BYU fourth in his Big Twelve ratings this week. So uh, I think the Cougars have shown themselves that they're they're going to be a force to deal with this year. So. Uh, yeah, the, the BYU at 11, the, that was uh, widely, uh, widely underrated. Now, anytime we can have one of the, what I consider one of the best sports writers in the country on BYU Sports Nation, we, we jump at that. But now you've got a new uh, uh, adventure with Sellout Crowd. Tell us how that came to be and, and what you're doing. Yeah, I just I left newspapers about six weeks ago after 45 years. And what happened was uh, some people came to me with this endeavor called selloutcrowd.com. We're doing much of the same things we've always done, more podcasting, but the same amount of writing, uh, local investors, a lot of local talent. Bob Stoops has come to, come on with us and getting uh, gangbuster guests every week. So um, the best thing about it, it's a free. It's pay, no paywall. People in Utah can go to it, check out our Big 12 coverage. Um, we've got great sponsors and, and advertisers, so fully funded uh, without without having people to subscribe, you know, we're, there's paywall fatigue in America. So come to selloutcrowd.com and uh, you won't you won't run into any of that. <laughs> there is payout fatigue uh, in America. When are you coming to Provo? The Sooners will be here in November. Are you coming out? I am coming. I'm coming. Uh, yeah, the day before. I think that's the 18th. So I'll be there the morning of the 17th. Looking really forward to it. I've uh, enjoyed my trip to Utah last year and. Can't wait to see a game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. All right, the morning of the 17th of November, we're going to book you here for BYU Sports Nation. I know you have a speaking engagement here in a moment. Thank you for your time. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and we'll see you next month. Hey, thanks, guys. Barry Trammell, does he not look like the most relaxed guy in America? Yeah, yeah. You know, he, he reminds me of the Back to the Future guy. <laughs> I've just seen that movie, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, we all know who you're talking about. Is it scientist, is that his name? Yeah. Is that his name? I don't know. I don't know. But that's what he looks like. I think uh, one thing Barry is, is one, he's an outside voice, right? So what he says about BYU, a lot of folks outside of Utah are thinking, or at least outside of Cougar Nation, the goggles are off with him, and he really yeah. likes BYU. Yeah. And, uh, and again, TCU, Texas Tech, with the, the road to what he calls a very special season. We'll yeah. see what happens. I like how he said that um, only two teams are, are proven. Yeah, that was a pretty, pretty interesting take. Yeah. So um, more teams will be proven here in a bit <laughs> as they win and lose. Uh, check out the latest Deep Blue podcast with Jason Shepard. Volleyball star Trent Moser talks about playing for Team USA and it is intriguing. 
game day rituals. Check out the episode on the BYU Radio app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Show rolls on after the break. We'll take a look at the big weekend ahead for Puka Nakua, Zach Wilson, and the Cougars in the NFL. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day. Um, all platforms, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Back live in Studio B, Dave McCann, Brian Logan. Should we do some headlines? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Let's do it. BYU defensive back Jacob Robinson was named Thursday as the Jim Thorpe Award National Defensive Back of the Week after recording six tackles. He had a pass breakup, and he had a pick six against Cincinnati last week. Robinson is one of five players in the country with three interceptions and one return for a touchdown. Orm Tiger right there celebrating the end zone. Let's look at the Cougars in the NFL. Congrats to Puka Nakua, second time this season. NFL Rookie of the Week, Rams and Eagles on Sunday. That's going to be an interesting game. That's a tough defense for him. Zach Wilson going to try to build off his performance last Sunday against the Chiefs. The Jets are out west. They take on the Broncos. Needs to win that game. Fred Warner, 49ers, hosting the Cowboys Sunday night in the big test for Fred and his defense. And Tyler Algier and the Falcons playing the Texans. Um, And then Taysom Hill and Daniel Swanson and the Saints play the Patriots. Andy Reid. Um, and the Chiefs play Jaron Hall, Kyrus Tonga, and the Vikings. Kyle Van Noy, good to see him back. Oh, yeah. Um, and the Ravens, they play the Steelers. Chris Brooks still doing his thing with the Dolphins, and they'll play against the Giants. And then Blake Freeland and the Colts will play the Titans. Big game last night at Southfield. Number seven, BYU. Number seven, Texas Tech. They tied in the polls. They tied last night. Jamie Shepard and Lee Wahlberg scored goals in a 2-2 tie. Exciting. Here's what they looked and sounded like. With Mozingo putting boot to ball. And a tap at the far post and in! And the Cougs have opened the scoring! A tap into the 18, across the top of the six, and far post loose, and score! Wow, that's how Equalizes! BYU's third draw in the Big 12 at home, which is interesting because they're tough at home. They haven't lost, but they haven't won. Monday night, they host Kansas State with a great opportunity to get that first Big 12 home victory. I think we should do away with draws. I don't like it. You win or you lose. Ten draws in the last year and a half for the soccer team. It's weird. Um, Number 10, BYU women's volleyball is at Oklahoma tomorrow. The match starts at 3 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN+. The Cougars look to bounce back after dropping back-to-back games at Texas. It's a big match for them against Oklahoma. Women's basketball picked to finish 11th in the Big 12 preseason poll. Cougars slated ahead of newcomers Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF. Texas was picked to finish first. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Arounds presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. You ready to go? Let's do it. Uh, Zach Wilson didn't wear his trademark headband against the Chiefs on Sunday. Um, should he go the rest of the season without wearing yes. it? Yes. <laughs> Just start anew. Now, he wears that headband to keep the sweat out of his eyes. Yeah, I heard yeah. him explain that to Aaron Rodgers, yeah. and Rodgers was like, dude, you should lose the Take that off. Just listen to Aaron Rodgers, right. lose the headband, throw to your teammates, not the other team. Right. Get a win on Sunday.
I agree with you. This is the last year of the Red River rivalry in the Big 12, with Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC next year. Will BYU and Utah be the biggest rivalry in the Big 12 moving forward? Absolutely. It's, it's one of the biggest rivalries in college football. I know a couple years ago, when I looked at um, all-time rivalries, they were ranked number nine, BYU and Utah. Um, now they, they've slid a little bit, I think, because of um, it's been one-sided, you know, with, with Utah beating BYU. But um, yeah, it's 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 yeah. People from all over college football are interested in seeing it. So hey, the last time they met, BYU won. He's pretty good doing it. All that matters. Uh, it's gonna be good. Are we seeing the Big 12 effect with women's soccer? I think we are a little bit. They, they're not losing to the Big 12 teams, uh, but but there's pressure in packed stadiums when they're for you and when things aren't going right like the, the other team scores first or whatever and then all of a sudden that pressure you can start to feel it we we talked to Livy Novaka the other day about it uh, they love the crowd they love all that stuff but they're playing teams that have athletes that are solid and that never quit yeah. and so three ties in three big 12 home games which is different for BYU they had seven ties last year under these new rules they don't play overtime yeah. which cost BYU a handful of wins um, but Break through it on uh, on Monday night. They go to Texas and they went on the road. Scored seven goals Monday of right. this week against yeah. Iowa State. But at home, things tighten up. Yeah, yeah. Let's get yeah. loose. Yeah. Get loose on Monday. You know, it's a it's it's a little bit of uh, different pressure when it's a, a bigger stage and a bigger audience. So yeah. they'll get through it. You ready for the next one? Yeah. I'm yeah. Darius Laster has been great for BYU this season. Tied for the team lead in touchdown receptions. But the transfer wide receiver wore a red mouthpiece against Cincinnati. Is it time to get Darius a new mouthpiece? You know, I can't really fault Darius. I saw this and I was like, what in the world is going on? I can't really fault Darius because this is his first, like he's new here, right? Yeah. I came from a junior college and we were red and black. Immediately had to get rid of 100% of my closet. Literally, get, I got rid of everything because I, people were looking at me sideways. Like yeah, my teammates were like, the red? what are you doing? So I'm just trying to figure out how come none of his teammates have done the same thing to him? Like, dude, you can't come out here with red. Like, what's what's going on? So I don't I don't blame Darius. I, I blame the teammates. I'm gotta, judging the teammates. They got a bye weekend to work that out. <laughs> right, we'll right. see what happens. Up next, an emotional story of an All-American runner at BYU who found solace and joy through running hood, or through running, and later motherhood. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Sports Nation, we're going to change the tone for a moment here. Today's Deep Blue has the spotlight on former Cougar distance runner Sarah Musselman. The eventual All-American turned to running to find solace following her mother's suicide. By literally taking life one step at a time, she found joy in running and motherhood. Let's take a look. This is Deep Blue. So my first year at BYU, I wanted to get every good kid in the state of Utah. All of the visits that I had done prior to going to Sarah's house were pretty similar. The houses looked the same, the family life looked the same. And I think that's why Sarah's visit struck out to me as is so different. It was like, wow, this man is, is raising this high school daughter. When I got up after a couple hours and walked to the door, I reached for the doorknob and he kind of grabbed my hand, my wrist, and said, I've done the best I can with her. Please help her. My mom 
struggled with a lot of pain in her life that she never dealt with, she never confronted. It almost kind of seemed like Monticello, it was a small town, so everyone knew everyone's business, right? So once we kind of got out of Monticello and got into Idaho and nobody really knew the family, nobody really knew us, I would say that like my mom kind of got a little bit of sense of freedom in a way. Like, I think that's when her struggle showed a little bit more. They weren't so in or anymore. And then um, my oldest sister actually had a stillborn. And I think that that loss really started triggering things within her as well. Say if the kids had a surgery or something, then she was always in charge of the you know pain pills or anything like that. And I would notice that they're going down a bit. You know what I mean? And uh, so she was doing a little bit of that, and then, of course, a little bit of alcohol, and... My mom's struggling with this. My dad was so consumed with trying to help her get out of this, but she kind of had to figure that out on her own but didn't know how to. And so it affected them in a way of just kind of ending up consuming the two of them in their own little world, trying to figure their own stuff out. and. Reasonably so. I think my dad loved my mom so much that he was just trying to do everything he could, but it also ended up turning very unhealthy. My sister Sadie and I went through the thick of it together. We saw the scratches on my dad's face. We saw my mom arrested on the curb. We saw a lot of things that I would not wish on my worst enemy. I saw that Sarah was strong, but I also saw that the life we were handed was heavy for her. I don't want people to think that my mom was this horrid person, because she had amazing qualities. She was an amazing mom. She was an amazing mom that got consumed by pain, and she suffered. Oh, that day. I wanted to go to a friend's house, called her to ask for permission, and... I remember my mom kind of, like, snipping at her and saying things. Basically said, do whatever you want. No one listens to me anyway. I was like, well, maybe we'll just we'll go home and see what we can do. And I remember driving home, and when we made it home, I walked in the door. My mom's music was blaring in the room. There had been times where my mom had locked, locked herself in her room, and... Honestly, there had been times where I shimmied my way in somehow to make sure she was okay. But that time felt different. Knowing what I know now, the spirit told us to get out of there. Walk away from the door, Sadie. Like, don't go in there. Sadie and I left, and still to this day, I don't know if she was alive when we were there. I have no idea. She actually had called me and insinuated some things that was going on. So I'll clean up my tools and I'm headed home. I could hear music playing, but I couldn't get in the bedroom. Finally figured out how to get in and then that's when I found her. So ended up calling 911. You know, they came over and took over from that point. When we turned the corner into our cul-de-sac of where our house was, there were ambulances, fire trucks, policemen lining the street. And the fear I saw in my sister's eyes. Because, like, I had heard my mom threaten suicide in the past, I immediately, I immediately thought, like, 
my mom did it. Like, it, is this the final straw, you know? Is my mom still with us or not? And I think the minute I pulled up and saw that, that's probably exactly what my face said, was like, mom's gone. I've never fell to my knees and cried like that in my entire life. Having to learn that she chose to leave this world was the deepest pain. It felt like she was choosing to leave me. I was flooded with so many different emotions. I didn't, I didn't know how to handle. I remember thinking, I just need to go run. Let this go, run I don't, as fast as I can for as long as I can. Not run away from the situation, but like run to figure out what was going on. I started realizing that running was gonna be my rock. It was gonna be the thing that was always consistent in my life. So I started pushing myself. I started realizing that, man, I'm, I'm getting good at this. I, I like it, it keeps me busy, it makes me happy. Towards my senior year, I started pushing myself harder and realizing that college was an opportunity for me. No one in my family has gone to college, so it never struck me that I would go. It makes me emotional to think about how, how Coach Taylor and the team, you know, supported the one person that I love the most. They would run together and support each other in, in a lot of different ways. And in some ways, that was just remembering her mom. That could be a ribbon, right? You know, that could be a prayer before a race. We accepted Sarah and the team accepted Sarah for who she was and where she was at in her journey. We all saw the potential in who she could become and what she could do with the gift she was given, but never undermining her process and understanding she had a lot of hard days. But there were things that they would do behind the scenes to show a sense of support. My junior year in college at Nationals, was the best race of my entire life. The top 40 receive All-American honors, and there's 250 you know, athletes that line up on, on that national championship day. Sarah's goal is to be an All-American, right? And that's what she was working towards. In order for them to achieve this goal, to be national champions as a team, and for Sarah to be a All-American as an individual, they're gonna have to go to the well. They're gonna have to leave it all out there on the course. I love the expectation that she placed on herself, and I love that she wanted to be so accountable to that goal that she had to look me in the eyes and say it out loud. I'm going to be an All-American. That is the reason why she could race with the amount of grit that she races with, is because she has had to be tough, sometimes by choice and sometimes by default. I just remember that was the first race that I felt my mom running with or like carrying me. Like I felt my mom during that day, during the race. And she passed out over the finish line. So she left it all out on the course and it just made me so happy to be there as she lived that dream. And then of course, you know, winning the nationals. Yeah, that was a bonus. It was amazing walking up to my dad and like looking at my dad in the eyes and like, dad, I did it. And we were both crying because he supported me from when I was a kid all the way through my running career. And 
He was so proud of me, and I was so proud of myself, and it was an amazing day. I'll never understand why people love to run, but I'm so glad that Sarah found it. Running is what made Sarah who she is, and I don't know who she would be without it. It's made her such a stronger person, but now that she's done with her BYU career, it's strengthened her in a lot of ways. I mean, you take the national championship, and that's gonna be a little tiny piece over here now. And I mean, she'll always have that memory and it's always gonna be fantastic, but now it's gonna be bigger. You know, the kids are gonna be, that's, that's gonna be the world. Becoming a mom makes me wonder what it was like for you. All the memories I am making are so exciting and new. I wonder if you experienced that too. I can't call to see what your pregnancies were like. I can only wonder if ours are alike. I'll treasure his wiggles in my tummy and think of how you are holding him above me. Baby time! He knows my heartbeat as I knew yours. So hold him tight while you can, because in heaven he is yours. If your heartbeat is what connects us, then hold him to yours so you can continue to direct us. Our worlds are so far apart, and he makes the distance seem shorter. I just wish I could see you become his supporter. <laughs> when he comes into this world, please give him a kiss goodbye and be sure to sing him one last lullaby. I know you will miss him as he will miss you. So as his angel, guide him like grandmas do. Through everything that I've been through in my life, I have gained an understanding of who I am and who I can become and it has opened my eyes to all the opportunities that are ahead of me. The process of healing is different for everyone and we just have to trust in ourselves. We're stronger than we think. We can draw from inspiration that we didn't even know we had. And I just wanna to say to those people who have lost either a parent to suicide or a sibling or anything that you're not alone. There's no words that I can say that will bring you comfort, except for you're not alone. And you can do this. You can become who you want to become. I'm living proof of that. And I'm so grateful that I was able to find joy. Sarah Musselman and her family there, touching story on a, a variety of levels. In the context of this show, you see in that story the power of sports and how it can help heal yeah. and, and allow a person to advance uh, from, from one place to the other. And, and we, we see that in Cougar Nation, wherever the teams go, the fans come. It means so much yeah. to them for any number of reasons, but they are connected and bound yeah. and and we see that passion wherever we go yeah th there's so much um you know life lessons that you learn in sports that that transfer to um you know the actual real world and i think this is you know one of those situations and when you go through something there's there's it's 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 kind of easy to be isolated right and to want to isolate yourself but yeah. when you're a part of a sports team you, you kind of have to put that aside and um, you kind of have to be outside of yourself and, and it forces you to focus on, 
you know, getting better and, and sacrificing for the team. So in a, in a kind of a weird way, it's, it's kind of helping you heal, but it's, and it's also helping you, you know, look forward. I think anytime that we look forward in life, we, we get, we get, that's when we get hope and that's when we get joy. Well, we wish the muscle ones the best. Coming up, we're gonna look at our question of the day and get to more of your responses and our rise and shout out on this Friday. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Our question of the day, what is BYU's biggest strength through the first five games? Travis Tingey on X. Uh, Kalani is the is the bit their biggest strength. I don't think that they have been outcoached or outschemed in any single game this year. That is our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Now our rise and shout, presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Take a look at this. It's been well documented that BYU quarterback Jake Retzloff is Jewish. This past week has been the Jewish holiday Sukkot, and the BYU football team wanted to celebrate with him. So Jake's rabbi, Rabbi Zippel, helped get a kosher food truck to football practice, and they had a celebration with the entire team. Nice. It's one giant family over there, and, and here's more evidence of that as they, as they participate in uh, uh, the Jewish holiday Sukkot with their backup quarterback. That's, that's pretty cool. How about cool. that? That's pretty cool. You know, uh, BYU in, in you know, recent years has always said, you know, we all belong. That's all races, all religions. I think this is a good example of that. So shout out to them for that. Our thanks today to our guest, Barry Trammell, who will be at the Oklahoma-Texas game tomorrow. Scout it out for us. That's right. Uh, the conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This is and um, where all you can find all the shows on demand on BYUSN.com. For Brian, I'm Dave. A shout out to Cameron Martin, a BYU alum, being inaugurated this morning as the second president of Rocky Mountain University of Health Professions. Nice. Another cougar doing good in the world. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the bye week. And we'll see you Monday and start the process of getting ready for BYU and TCU. This is BYU Sports Nation. See you next time. Hi, Dennis. I love you.